This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you thinking about doing your own podcast, but you don't know how? Well, have you heard about Anchor? It's actually the platform that I'm hosting through this right now. And yes, it's free. Not only is it free, it's super easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's really that easy. And guess what? You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. There's a lot of like changes come out of Oakland, but yeah, it was it was rough and I'm a little Asian girl, you yeah. know, and I don't take any shit. Because also, it's not just from being Oakland that I'm tough. I'm also a refugee, you know? I'm a <laughs> Vietnamese refugee. You put that together. There's, like, no feelings at home. Like, what's a feeling? Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. there's no feelings at home. And then when you go to... I actually think it was being Asian and an immigrant that made me tougher. Because I would, like... We came from Vietnam, you know? And I would go... Even in the projects, they'd be, like, complaining. And I'm like, yo... You get food stamps and air conditioning. Like, <laughs> I came from a fucking village. Like, you know, this is this Yo, is all there right. Was, there was this rapper, this Sudanese rapper named Bangs, the funniest guy. I think he's he's to him he's a serious rapper. In five, four, three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. We have a very very special guest hailing all the way from Oceanside, California. Now, I know a lot of you guys have been wanting me to get some professional fighters in here. And guess what? We have Killer B. Nguyen. Not only a professional fighter, a motherfucking Vietnamese. Vietnamese, Vietnamese professional fighter. No man, motherfucker. This is nuts. What's up? So, I actually found out about you. Uh-huh. Because I only... I only started watching 1FC not too long ago. So uh-huh. 1FC, I started watching probably, it was actually around the time when they did the Ben Askren flip. Because I've always And heard, Mighty Mouse too. Exactly. So yeah. I've only heard of 1FC every now and then, but because I grew up watching UFC and then mm-hmm. Bellator, I wasn't that big of a fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then I, I started watching 1FC since then. I had no idea the the competitive level that 1FC yeah. was on. Yeah. Because nobody was really talking about it. I think people in Asia knew what's up. Yeah. But over here, nobody did. And it's specifically when it comes to your guys' like bantamweights and featherweights, yeah. the fucking, it's stacked. It's sick. It's unreal. Yeah, it's crazy. Just it's watching crazy. The, the level of striking out there is amazing. Because I didn't know also to 1FC held out uh, kickboxing matches too. So yeah. it's it's just weird. So and I don't, super fights. Yeah, so I don't understand how how that company works <laughs> so yeah i thought it was just mma no but, it's sick yeah and then we're watching um what's his name the dude that knocked out uh stage Northcutt and almost killed him. oh cosmo alexander that's my homie dude cosmo is dope when, it, when they when they matched up uh stage with cosmo i was like what the fuck is going on yeah you know in asia they don't do you favors they're just oh. like they don't they just match you up because you know when you go to asia especially thailand the the uh, mentality of fighting is you just show up and fight like, you just fight. They fight, like, every two weeks in Thailand, you know? It's not like, oh, you don't pad your record type of thing. You, mm. They just find you, whoever, and they, you know, match you up. And if you say yes, you say yes. And Sage Northcutt said C. <laughs> I was like, because I know both of them. So I started MMA with Sage and her sister at the same gym. We started MMA together. Oh, what, what, what gym was that? Uh, Holger. I don't even want to. 
promote his gym. Okay. I hate that gym. Okay. In uh, Houston, Texas. And um, uh, yeah, so anyway, we started together. So I love them. I love those kids. I love them. I love Sage. Um, but I also know Cosmo. I've known Cosmo for a long time. And I was just like, when they were matched up, I was like, oh, shit. That's the problem when people don't do their research, you know? Yeah. Do you think Sage Northcutt did not know the pedigree that fucking Cosmo Alexandra came from? I, He's I think, amazing. I think Sage Northcutt trusts people and does what they say. So whoever on that team said, that said yes, I don't know whom it was. But uh, Sage will, you know, Sage is a good kid. I would have I would have just looked at that and been like, yeah. hell fucking no. That would have been the point where I ran away from home. Yeah. Like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm leaving. <laughs> I mean, just watching that, number one, it's it's, it's not a cage either. Yeah. Like, he's going to corner you and he's going to knock you out. I didn't know the difference. I mean, I fought in rings before, but I fought MMA fighters in rings. When I fought Stamp in a ring, I was like, yo, this is crazy different. Mm. So, um, yeah, his range. I mean, I think the levels of striking was just not... Not a match. I like it. Who doesn't like yeah. Sage Northcutt as a person, right? Yeah. But as a fighter, he hasn't really been tested. And you put somebody, you put that man against him. Mm -hmm. I mean, what did you think was going to happen? The, yeah. I didn't think he was going to get knocked out like that, though. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, oh, man, it's tough with karate. Like, I mean, he does a good job, but a lot of karate people have to adjust, you know? The only person I know that does it so well is Wonder Boy, and he mm. just freakishly has like that IQ. Yeah. But like even my good friend Michelle Watterson, she adjusts her she doesn't use much too much of it, you know? Yeah. Because you keep your chin up and you're bouncing and whatever I don't know what game plan he had for that, but I knew like Cosmo was just gonna wait. And that chin was up in the air and that face was relaxed. Oof. And he just hunted him down and he put him to a corner. He kept cutting him off. Oh my God, it was, it was like a Fiat getting hit by a truck. <laughs> I remember watching it oh and then my, my feet started sweating because yeah. I just saw him start cornering him. Yeah. And I'm like, what is this kid going to do? Yeah. <laughs> and then lo and behold, yeah. he broke his orbital. Like he yeah. smashed his face yeah. in with one punch. And Cosmo felt bad after too. I talked to him afterward. I mean, Cosmo's always been like, he's so sturdy mm -hmm. and durable. Um, there's a couple of fights I've seen him in and I've talked to him afterwards where he was like, man, I just wanted the decision because I didn't want to like break yeah. the person in half. I I don't think he meant to knock him out that hard. I think it's just the position. You, you see Sage was moving and while you're, that's the problem with bouncing and fighting. Mm. You got to be careful bouncing because in mid bounce, you have no like, like clinch. Like you have no, like you're not tightening anything. Everything's loose. And he got hit mid, mid, mid air. What do you think about that? Um, What's the, what's the fighter? He's the fighter that need a uh, cyborg in the head. And he broke his cranium. Yeah, he's door. awesome. That was another one I was gonna say. With cyborg was cyborg's one was cringy too. Yeah. But cyborg, I mean, he's an OG. Yeah. You know, and he's done a lot of things. Mm -hmm. With Sage, it was like this was his big, big new break at one, and he's just so young that that hurt. But um, I mean, he hasn't been back since. <laughs> like, yeah, he hasn't been back since. I mean, I don't blame him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I I commend him for trying to come back. Because he has other options, you know? Yeah. Like, he's been to college. Like, he has a good future in other things, but I guess he just really loves His uh, sister is also in 1FC as well. Kobe. Yeah, I love Kobe. And I was like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the funny thing is I didn't know who she was. I was like, yeah. she looks like Sage Northcutt. <laughs> we used to fight a legacy. Yeah, we used to fight a legacy together. And then yeah. she's actually married to uh, Raymond mm -hmm. Daniel, which is Deckers. fucking nuts. But they met in karate. They're like karate legends, Kobe and Sage, and obviously um, her husband. But they're like karate legends, so they've met a lot years oh. ago in karate tournaments all across the world. I think like, oh, this couple that's going to kick people's asses all over the world. That's yeah. fucking nuts. They're sick, and they're both tall and ripped.
Well, yeah, how did so. how did you first of all how did you get into to mixed martial arts in the first place? Just because like I think for me growing up, I never saw first of all the women that I hang around they they weren't down to scrap like that's not some yeah, yeah. unless it was like hood scraps right yeah, they'll yeah. just go around <laughs> pulling hair ripping out eyelashes and shit. But yeah. I've never met especially any of the Vietnamese homegirls. I never met yeah. one that wanted to go into a gym and fight. Yeah. So how did you get involved in fighting? Yo, that's actually a misconception because I grew up in the Bay. I grew up in Oakland, Hayward, San Jose. And like, there's like whole Vietnamese gangs that like fight. Like these girls throw down. I remember getting jumped by Vietnamese girls when I was in high school. So Vietnamese people are really feisty. I just think that... um, Yeah, for sure. I'm talking about they would throw down. But in terms of like professional fighting, it was more like... Because there's no representation. You know, just like anything. It's like, you know, you don't see anybody out there doing it. And then on top of that, our cultures clash is like crazy it's like Mm. you know it's not really cute for us to fight but um yeah i started as like self-defense i just went to like a muay thai class and i was like man i just gotta do something to make me feel like stronger and better and whatever it's going through some shit so i went and then like uh, i did really well and then the coach was just like you should fight like you should train so i did it three months later i fought damn yeah i fought this girl who had like and my debut was for Legacy, which was a huge promotion. Mick Maynard now with the UFC owned it. And uh, I fought a girl with five fights. I was just like some chick that used to fight in school and like learned like a couple punches. It was horrendous. You can find it on YouTube. <laughs> it's horrendous. It's horrendous. Like I was swinging like octopus arms, but I was just tougher than her. And I retired her. She never fought after that. Really? Yeah. Isn't that crazy too? Like I, there's certain fighters that I watch that are just so scra- like. For example, like I always use this guy as an example. Like Mike Perry's a scrapper, right? Like when yeah. you see this guy on pads or you see him training, yeah. you're like, he Perry might get snaps. fucked up. Yeah. But you put that fool in a cage, people don't know how to deal with his ferocity because mm-hmm. how insane. Like Mickey Gall, yeah, he was a ground. He is a ground specialist. Yeah. Jiu-Jitsu is his shit. Yeah, and he was getting out grappled like a motherfucker. Yeah, but Be- the problem with those fighters is they become gatekeepers. You know. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the homie, Donna Cerrone. Actually, I think Cerrone has potential to be champion. But people like that do become gatekeepers because when, when, I mean, that's what you have. And Mm. people can expect it and they can work around it at high levels. But you'll see like these tough cats like go through amateurs just murdering people, you Mm. know, because they're tough like I did. But if you don't like get better at high level, you're never going to, you know. Because you have these technicians that'll come and pick you apart. Yeah. Exactly. That's why right now I'm trying to uh, have that make that change in in my career. I think I'm very technical, but when I get into the fight, I get really emotional, and I just like love. I just love fighting, and then so my coaches get mad because in the gym I'm so much better, and they're like, "Yo, why are you still hanging out? Like, just take her down and submit her already." Mm. You know. But uh, yeah, it's it's hard to like shift. Like, is it is it that much more difficult to perform out? on that stage and on that canvas than it is in the gym when you're fighting people like on a training basis? Like what's the, what's the difference? It depends on who you are. There's like, man, you have these like gym champs who every sparring round, you gotta fucking win. And you know, like loves that. And then they go and then they go and they never make it anywhere in their career. Mm-hmm. But then me, it's just like, it's fun in the gym. Um, Cause I just don't really care if I win or lose, you know? Mm. So I'm just learning in the gym. But uh, is it easier to spar in the gym? Yeah, for sure. Because, but it's not as fun. I don't think. <laughs> so many rules. I mean, I've been, watch, I've been watching. I've been watching. Because I was just mentioning this to you before, like how with, with UFC fight nights. UFC fight nights for me, I would watch them maybe 
half the time, uh-huh. right? I've been watching every single one. The fights have been insane. Mm-hmm. And then a buddy of mine who was telling me um, kind of what you were talking about, how there's a difference between kind of training and fighting in the gym versus mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Well, now they don't have that crowd to get yeah. in their brain. Yeah. And so now they get to fight at their full potential. So yeah. we've been watching these fight nights where these fighters are coming out and they yeah. look like they're, you know, top 20 fighters. Yeah. And you don't even know who they are. But it depends on fighters. Like I said, like you don't see it, but it's subtle. The fighters that you see performing really well right now, those are the ones that do well in the gym. Because mm. those are the ones that want to be comfortable and have fun. And then there's ones that aren't performing as well because they love the energy, the crowd, the pressure. You know, mm. they love that chip on their shoulder. I, I don't know how I would perform. I would love to see. Like, I think my next event will, I'm sure, the next events that I do will be closed door. And it's interesting to see how I'll perform. But Do you prefer the crowd there? I love the crowd. You're fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah, fucking crazy I fucking person. <laughs> love the crowd. I love the screaming. I love the energy. I love the heat. I love the lights. I love it all. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. So how did you switch from going from like Muay Thai all the way to, to MMA? Because I mean, obviously those practices are so money. different. Oh, really? I, I did it because money. Because in Muay Thai, I can't even imagine if you grew up as a Muay Thai fighter in Thailand. But it, even in America... I was fighting every three weeks and it was just like driving 11 hours, cutting weight, um, like hot boxing in a car, trying to cut weight on the way to a Motel 6 where it's like crackheads staying next door to you to fight for free, you know? And like, that was just like the career and the the lifestyle of a Muay Thai fighter. And then you get into a bracket, you go to tournaments because there's not really big fights. So there's tournaments and then you all of a sudden have like people that lie about their age because there's no like Mm. commission, you know, or their height or their weight. Mm. It's just nuts. I mean, it's kind of fun. But and then I saw MMA and I saw uh, Misha Tate and Ronda Rousey. I was like, yo, they're like doing interviews. They're like (laughs) their hair is braided. Like they have makeup on. Like it was just it just felt like legit, you know. That's mm. why I say, man, like corny as it can be, like as, it, as it can sound, representation is everything. Like I had no idea you can do that until I saw them. Mm. And I was like, nope, get me to MMA. But I wrestled in high school. People don't know that. Oh, really? Yeah, I wrestled in high school. How many years? Uh, Two and a half. Well, about three years off and on. That's dope. Yeah, and I wrestled in California. So that's like the hardest state to wrestle in, in high school. Oh, really? Because it's co-ed. You oh. wrestle boys too. Yeah, I sucked. I, I got murdered all through high school because I all, always wrestled boys. Mm-hmm. And then when I started training in Texas, like there's girls that would swag in there like, yeah, I'm state champ. And I would just murder them. This is a level of competition. is just different. Like if you know somebody who wrestled in California, sucky or not, if they want or not, they're good. Like it's hard. I had no idea that it was co-ed in California. Yeah. It's, well, I don't know if it is anymore. I'm 30. So it's like 15 years ago. Because I, I didn't – well, I, don't, I didn't know any female wrestlers in my high school. So I think yeah. you know, we – I mean, they could correct me if I'm wrong, but I only remember boys wrestling. So I don't. Yeah, in don't high think, school, it was definitely co ed. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking nuts. So if you were a girl wrestler, you were wrestling some boys. Yeah. And I was small, and the boy, the small boys were the best. Yeah. Like, the most athletic. The, like, I remember this one kid that murdered me every season. He was like a cross country like champ. He was a soccer champ. And Jesus. Oh, uh, yeah. I wanted to like jump him afterwards, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. What was it like switching over to, to MMA from kickboxing? Um, I didn't like the gym culture of MMA. Mm. It's like a bunch of wannabes and a bunch of like show-offs and a bunch of like fake Conor McGregor's. And like, mm. at least with Muay Thai, you, with Muay Thai, I think the teachers are consistent and the culture is consistent. So there's, if you're, if you're like a 
want to be or if you're like fake about it, like the old schools will call you out. Mm. You know, you ever if you ever train with a tie, they're not impressed with anything. They don't care how much money you have. You're not allowed to get on the mat unless you've been in a tie fight. Like they just don't care. But in um in America, in the MMA culture, if you have a little bit of following or if you whatever, you could suck and they'll still take you just because of marketing or whatever. I had one because I, I trained with my with my buddy Nick and mm-hmm. we started off as fitness and then later on he opened up, you know, wanted to try sparring and you know, kind of getting into it. Yeah. But I, I trained at this in Sacramento, there was just one like traditional like Muy Lao place. This motherfucker, because I've never trained at a traditional like Thai Lao yeah. gym. He beat the shit out of me. This man fucked me up and mm-hmm. I didn't expect it, you know? Yeah. So I was, you know, because these pad people, they don't hold pads. Yeah. They're going to hit you. I didn't know. So, yeah. you know, because he asked me if I tried, I was like, I trained a little bit, yeah. you know, just sandbag a little, just to see what he'll feel out. Yeah. But, you know, with that too, I don't think he appreciated yeah. <laughs> the fact that I kind of lied yeah. and he fucked me up. Hell yeah. You know, it's like Asian culture. It's <laughs> yeah. like, you meet somebody's aunt. They're not going to hug you. They're going to smack the shit out of you, <laughs> make fun of you. And if you can get through that, then your family. Yeah. That's really how the culture is. They're going to beat the shit out of you. They're going to make fun of, you know, honey. Oh, walk no good. <laughs> Kick no good. You look like shit fat American. Like once you get through that and then they're like, okay. He, You're after cool. we were done with the session, I fell asleep in my car for three hours. Yeah. I couldn't move. I've never yeah. trained that hard before in you my probably fucking. probably died and came back to life. I, I, I legit died. Yeah. He was like, for the warm up. We did like, it was like 20 minutes of yeah. ropes. Yeah. And then we did like 200 sit-ups and yeah. it's like, that's the warm-up. I'm yeah. like, I'm done. Like, I don't have anything in That's me. why legit Muay Thai schools don't last here in America because they they love the dojo feel, mm. you know? Um, but unless you came from wrestling, America, one sport in America, uh, one aspect of MMA in America that's tough is these rest, wrestling is just like the hardest thing. If you came from a wrestling school, you see all these like champs that are yeah. Colby and Tyron and all them are like, ex-wrestlers because they work hard you know they're used to it i feel like wrestlers are just it's it's, people are starting to realize how important of a base that is Mm -hmm. and it's just hard to deal with the grappler yeah and especially if they're if they don't want to stand with you they don't have to stand they're just gonna wait for you to throw that haymaker and then go for the double a yeah and then let's see how well you do like you watch somebody like hamzat hamzat the guy that just came out Mm -hmm. where he's like starting to blow up because he fought those he's fucking nuts yeah i I had no idea because I yeah. hadn't seen anybody really been able to do the uh, the Dagestani handcuffs that well, mm-hmm. right? So there's only a few. Uh, there's Habib and everybody else tries to do it, but somehow they always get out. It's scary because I'm telling you, there's probably like they probably have like a den of like 20 of them waiting to unleash <laughs> yeah. like on America. You know, yeah. like they're probably like, oh, we got Khabib, we got this guy, and let's just release all of them. Like, oh shit, they're coming. Just, just watch. He and got they're gonna hit. murder. He got punched twice out of two fights. That's it. Two strikes. Sick. That's and sick. I think he unloaded a total of like 250 or 300 strikes total out of those two. That's sick. And I, I can't even imagine what that feels like for that yeah. fighter. Because it's not like he's fighting people who are like yeah. tuna cans. Yeah. Like they're newer, but they're still dope. That's the thing with casual fans. They only see the defeat physically, right? So like, oh yeah, he beat the shit out of him because he was punching him. He's bleeding, whatever, right? But the other loss that's humiliating is a mental loss of not being able to figure it out. Like, yeah. yo, he's like slipping everything. Every time you throw a punch, he's taking you down. You can't get up. Like you're drowning with that handcuff and mm-hmm. Khabib and all that. It's like, yeah, you you may not like it too much because you only, you only recognize physical defeat. You got to see the mental defeat of like, oh my God, mom, please come get me. That was one of the reasons why I started liking 1FC fights uh-huh. was because the, the crowd doesn't boo. 
Yeah. And when they see them go to the ground, they're yeah. just as excited yeah. to watch what they can do on the ground as they as they saw on the stand-up. Yeah. So they were watching it from a real fan perspective. Yeah. Like they can see how they're advancing in the fight. Yeah. And so in the UFC, I went to one UFC f- uh, fight live yeah. and I'll never go back again. Yeah. Because it was the most obnoxious thing I've obnoxious, ever been Obnoxious. But, you know, they pay. They do. <laughs> they pay, <laughs> yo. They pay. But the thing about one people don't understand is that like… The show is crazy. It's crazy. Mm. It's like a concert. You get these like wristbands that go with the music. And then you have like… I mean it's like a whole… Ev- it's like you get your money's worth. It's like a whole event. At the UFC… if I love going to UFC… But that's because I'm spoiled and I get front row seats. Yeah. If I was sitting up high, I wouldn't want to go to the UFC. Because you can't see anything. You can't hear anything. There's no like crowd interactions throughout the thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but one one is sick. What, what were you doing before you were signed to 1FC? I was fighting for King of the Cage. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Man, that shit's fucking tough too. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> oh, damn. King of the Cage is all right. Um, But one thing I do like about King of the Cage is like they really highlighted atom weights. And there was nowhere in America that did that. Like, yeah. They, they really started that. And then Combate started highlighting atom weights after. But um, no, I had a harsh ending to King of the Cage because I just couldn't cut to 105 anymore. I think oh. people think it's deceiving because I'm so short. Yeah. People are like, it should be easy for you to want to go to 105. I'm like, no, yo, it's not easy. I mean, just weight cutting in general. I mean, what's that whole experience? I mean, I, I, I don't understand how people can cut weight. Like, it, I don't know if your body just gets used to it or de- like just watching Jorge lose 20 pounds in six days. It's just a mind. mind fuck. Like, I don't even really remember what weight. I don't even think I have a real perception of what weight cutting is like because the entire time I'm fooling myself that I'm doing something else. Like the entire time I'm like, oh, it's fine. You know, I'm not even hungry. Whatever. Like I'm just constantly mind how fucking. How do you do that? Teach me how to do that. I'm always hungry. Mind fucking yourself? Yeah. I'm, I'm hungry gotta, all the time. <laughs> yeah. It's like my perception of reality. I can, I can, I can manipulate my head, like my mind. That's, you know, that's really the, the game. Cause I mean, if you don't, you're just sitting in hunger and you're just sitting in like dehydration. You're sitting in like your lower back, your knees start buckling, lower back start aching. Uh, these are the physical things you feel. Um, you get lightheaded. So like drilling near the fight. Um, don't be the dickhead that if somebody has a fight or close to their fight, drill hard. Because every time you get pushed, your brain's like rattling. Oh, oh really? Yeah, because you're dehydrated. Oh. You're cutting weight. So every time like somebody drills hard, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So you I mean it's it's rough. Have you seen Cyborg crying? Duh, that was a really harsh video to watch. Just mm-hmm. watching her go through that that mental trauma of just mm-hmm. first of all, she's a fucking animal. Mm-hmm. And to watch her be that vulnerable and mm-hmm. just bawling because mm-hmm. she just wanted it to stop mm-hmm. made me feel fucking terrible. Yeah. And people don't really empathize with her because they're like, well, that's your fault for being that big. I'm like, well, there's no higher weight class for her. Yeah. She has no choice. That's probably what the tears are from. I don't think the tears are from the pain. The tears are from just, this is my only choice. Like, there's nowhere to go from here, you know? Like, that's why I'm happy at one because I can take harder hits now. I've been dropped in King of the Cage and I've I've fought people where I'm like, what? Like, that's not my skill level, you know? Yeah. Um, It's just from the the weight cut that kind of, that rocks you. Yeah. My last fight at King of the Cage, I got murdered by a girl that I beat quite easily before. Not Mm. taking anything away from her, but I'm actually kind of over, like, explaining myself with that. It is a weight cut. The fight was a weight cut. Yeah, you don't have to. Like, I got dropped three times. 
And then she choked me out and I don't remember any of it. And I just remember after that loss, my coaches went in the back. Michelle was like giving me a speech and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I'm just glad it's over. And then my coach was like, what did you say? I was like, I'm just glad it's over. He was like, you need a fucking break. Yeah. Because you're not even sad you lost. Like, yeah. I was just tired. Yeah. I was like, I'm so glad it's over. That's crazy. And I, it was a world title. See, because I don't, I don't know, because I don't weight cut. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't know what the fuck that yeah. really feels like. So I don't know how taxing it is and how draining it is. But I mm. do know that when people miss weight, yeah, like by five pounds, yeah. I don't want to see that fight. Yeah, because statistically they always yeah. win, and there's yeah. there has to be a reason for yeah. it. Like if you're missing weight by five fucking pounds, yeah. it's like, did you even try? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like what the yeah. fuck? Yeah, and it's rough when you watch in the UFC because it's such high level, high stakes, and they cut so much in the UFC. At one, I mean, honestly, I don't really care mm. if you're missing weight or whatever, because none of us are cutting water, you know. Mm. It's like, oh, is 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 there a weight? Is is it? How do they do the the weight? They thing? they hydrate test you throughout the week with your pee. Oh, yeah, your pee is tested throughout the week. And you know what's funny? The first time I did it, I thought I was good because I was hydrated. I didn't cut water. Our even our perception as regular humans, not even fighters, of what dehydrate is, is not. Because I failed my first test, my very first fight at one, and I wasn't even cutting water. I was like drinking regular. So now I have to chug. Now I'm like more aware of how hydrated a human actually has to be to be hydrated. Like I was not hydrated. And I didn't oh, cut I it had off. no idea. I didn't know that's what 1FC did. Yeah. That's yo. pretty uh, nice. No, yeah. <laughs> we Our pee gets tested like throughout the week. So in return though, like people that like, if you look at Angela Lee, Stamp Fairtex, People ask like, yo, they're much bigger and this and this. Yeah, but they still go through the same exact test. They just have to do it harder because people like them have to starve. Like they don't really get to eat. But mm -hmm. your brain is still healthy. You can go without food. Yeah. Your body's still healthy with water. Even if you eat, if you dehydrate water, that is bad. You can't do that to your body, especially if you're going to do combat sports. Oh. So yeah, they still have to cut in the sense that they fight week. They kind of don't eat, but they're still drinking gallons of water. Mm. You can survive. People do fast all the time. It's yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Well, I guess that's a lot safer for the fighter then. So much safer. I mean, yeah, so much safer. I don't know how Sage would be if I mean, he'd fought in the UFC. When with I that saw kind the, it was when Cejudo uh, TKO'd fucking TJ Dillashaw, mm -hmm. and you saw TJ. He looked like a skeleton, and look at Aldo. Oh man, and like when you look at that and you say, "Oh, they're ready to go for fighting," I'm like, "Damn, I don't know about that." You know, even all those last fight when he was fighting Peter Yan for the belt, yeah. right? He gassed out so fucking bad. And he looked great in those first two rounds. That's the thing. People just think like we're superhuman. We're not superhuman physically. We have the same exact body. We are superhuman mentally mm. as athletes. Like, so when you see Aldo like that and you're like, oh, he, he's fine. He's an athlete. He can do it. No, his he looks like that for a reason. Yeah. That's not healthy. Although his mind, he's mind fucked himself and he's ready mentally like what you see is really what you get physically. He looks bad, and yeah. his body probably is doing bad. You know. And there are certain fighters too that now they're they're going up in weight class, and they're seeing a lot more success. Yeah. Because their chin is way fucking better. They're mm -hmm. taking these hits a lot better, and their stamina mm -hmm. is so much better too. Yeah, I just feel bad for the people who are in between. There's a lot of in betweeners who are like like Kevin Lee is not quite like an in big enough. Yeah, and then they go up, and then they fail, and they come back down and stuff like that. So. Dos Anjos, he's one of those people. It's tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, he's literally, he needs that weight class in between. Yeah. It's hard for him to find that good success in both those areas. And it's kind of hard watching so, because he's such a dope fighter. It's so tough because at least now at one, 
if I lose or get knocked out or something, I'm like, yo, I mean, I just wasn't good enough. I need to work harder. Mm. But then like when I'm cutting so much, I'm like, yo, was it a cut? Like was I was dizzy all fight week. Like, you know, like I was, you know, shaky and all this stuff. At least now it's like win or lose. It's on me and on my I mean, skill. How it's do easier you, to assess. I mean, how do you fight like that? Like, I, I don't. Obviously I don't remember that fight. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. No, it's, I do. It's kind of nuts how I, is it because a lot of the times, because, I mean, you've trained and you've drilled so much when you're so mentally depleted and physically depleted, a lot of this just has to be instincts at a certain point, right? It's a mind fuck too. Yeah. It's all a mind. We're just sometimes like, if you see fighters cut so much weight and they just kill it, I mean, they're probably surprised they killed it. They're just like their body's just like a zombie and their brain's powering them through all of that. Yeah. Honestly, like I said, I don't remember weight cuts. Why doesn't the UFC do the hydration test? I think that's like a very smart thing to do for fighters. Oh, because they're so big and they're, I don't know. The, why Why doesn't a lot of big companies change an entire system? It's scary. Mm. And it's not that eminent yet. Like it, they don't think it's that important, you know, and mm. they're not that concerned with changing culture. I don't know. I don't know what they think is fine, probably. Hmm. And it's fine. I mean, whatever. You're the athlete at the end of the day. Because the athlete doesn't have to do that, but they want to You don't do have it. to. You're signing up to do it, you know? Yeah. I think it'd be cool if they did the hydration thing. Um, but it's going to shift their entire rankings. It's going to shift everybody's performance. It's going to shift their entire system. Um, it's a lot to change. Would you ever entertain the the, the thought of like going to the, to the UFC? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, growing up in America, I've always wanted to be in the UFC. That was yeah. like the it. But um, I wasn't just going to wait around forever, you know, mm-hmm. for them to do Adam weight. Um, so I went to one and I'm happy at one, though. Like one, honestly, I, did, I don't know. I didn't know what to think going in. But man, I'm like legitly. I don't hear a single fighter ever complain about 1FC. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a single fighter that ever yeah. says anything bad about that promotion. Yeah. And people think like. People think like we're made to say good things. Like, no, if you know me, I keep it real. I don't yeah. give a shit. Uh, nobody can like censor how I feel about something. And I love one. Yeah. It's sick. Um, yeah, it's sick. Like, it's good. Like, they obviously, um, people like Angela Lee, who are undefeated, um, get celebrated and become champ, but also they value fighters like me who I lose sometimes, I win sometimes, but I'm like one of the most entertaining fighters out there. People like to see heart in fighting. I think yeah. it's it's that re- weird balance of, you, you kind of get to pick and choose what you like, right? Yeah. So if you like technicians, you like people to win, yeah. then some, there's there's a reason why even like Kamaru Usman, he has mm-hmm. fans, but there's also a, an understanding of why people don't like Kamaru Usman a lot. Yeah. You know, they don't yeah. like his fighting style. Yeah. And that's completely fine too. Yeah. I mean, he's he is... Uh, He's a specialist. Yeah. He does what he does really, really well, which is yeah. step on feet and then not fucking around. But he, like, Kamaru Usman does what he does well. I can't He's knock sick. him for it. He's sick. Like nobody, I think if you appreciate grappling and you appreciate mm-hmm. what he does in the ring, it's, yeah. it's very easy to love him. He's sick. But for people who like, who only want to see Jeremy Stevens, yeah. it's going to be hard for you to watch Kamaru Usman. I mean, but Kamaru doesn't really need you to like him. He's the champ. Exactly. People like, people that fight smart, but don't have the most fans because they don't think it's entertaining or whatever. It didn't doesn't really matter because they have the belt. Yeah. And then people like me who kind of risk the win sometimes. Like, you don't have to, you don't understand. Just fighters like me risk the wins. Like, there's a couple of fights where, like, I could have just, I should have taken them down and just, this is what I should do from now on. But I could have taken them down and just, like, laid on them and, mm-hmm. and got the win. But I just want to fucking fight. Because I love, <laughs> I love, like, the gratification from it, you know? Yeah. Of, like, just letting it all out. And I think fighting is, like, 
every human on this earth wants to know what they're made of at the end of the day. Cool, getting Lambos are dope. Getting bitches are dope. Getting money's dope. But at the end of the day, what do you really want? You want to know what you're made of, like what you can really do, right? And so fighting is like a representation of, of that. So that's why mm. you pick you pick fighters to be fans of that you think is the best of you, you know? Like there's a lot of people like, man, I fucking love Cowboy because he's a badass and he's, yeah. you know? That's why I always tell people sometimes when they, it's, there's like this weird concept of when you're when you're a fight fan right and you kind of touched on it there where i just had this conversation where people were asking it's you know how come these fight fans you know they never fight but they always have an opinion about these fights all the time like they don't know what it's mm -hmm. like it's because they want to be those people yeah i don't mind it yeah like i don't mind it at you all. shouldn't mind it because the, of course they go well because one of the top comments that you'll always see on these UFC fan pages yeah. is like, well, you're you're not you're not in there. You're not a fighter. Of course no not. No shit. I'm a fan. That's why I'm commenting. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They're, they're fans. They, yeah. they want to be in those positions. So yeah. they're, they're going to talk out of line and out of turn because yeah. they literally wish that they had those abilities. Yeah. So they're talking about it from a fan perspective. So sometimes on this yeah. podcast too, like one of my friends is like, oh, you was like, you don't like, I forgot what fighter that I was mentioning that I'm not a big fan of. They're like, yeah. well- it's like, would you say that to their face? And I was like, like, no, I probably wouldn't because they're a nice person. Yeah. But from and they'll fuck me up. Yeah, you don't go up to somebody and say you fucking suck. Exactly. Like, yeah. But as uh, any sports fan would, I have an yeah. opinion about the sport, not about them as a human being. You know? Yeah, yo, I I get empathizing and and all that with celebrities or athletes and stuff. Um, I mean, don't be terribly mean, like you said. Don't go up to them and just like make them question their whole life. But like, that's what we're here for. We're here for entertainment, you yeah, know? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick and choose which fighters I like. Yeah, like I, exactly. Doesn't mean, like, it doesn't mean that they're not going to fuck me up or yeah. fuck up any layman. Yeah. But I'm talking, like, do, do people get offended about that in yeah. basketball? Yeah. When I go, I like, I love, I love Jordan, but yeah. I'm not a big fan of fucking Lawrence Thunderbird. Yeah, or if I make <laughs> yeah. a shit show and I'm like, you don't watch my show? No, I don't like it. Yeah, it is what it is. It's not good. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't believe you when you cried. It's just, <laughs> you're not that good. Yeah. It's, people are too much, man. Honestly, I, I, I don't mind it. There's people yeah. that like throw my record in my face. I'm like, yo, I know it's on the internet. It's fine. Yeah. Like, you Google it. We'll yeah. be. And then there's people who are like, yo, but have you seen Beast fights though? Yeah. You know, I always tell people like when they ask about me, you fight. I'm like, yeah, look me up on YouTube, not Google. Because yeah. <laughs> my stats are like, my stats are right. Yeah. But like my videos are sick, you know, my yeah. highlights are sick. So it's, it's whatever, dude. That, that, that record thing, I think when you start to become a fan of fighting or what I do suggest for people to, if you are a really big mixed martial arts, boxing or whatever, like combat uh, combat sport fan yeah you should train and the yeah. reason why i say that is because it makes the fights that much more fun yeah you could see things that you never saw before from a from a uh, spectator's perspective yeah it's just more fun do you want to watch football with his wife or with him him because he knows <laughs> the game like his wife's not gonna know like okay some wives i'm not doing the whole gender thing yeah. some wives know football okay yeah. but what i'm saying is it's just more fun to know what the hell's going on yeah when i when know? i started training and then i think one of when I, when I told my buddy nick was when we first started training, I told him like, the reason why I want to train is because I, I'll be real. Like when I was watching USC and I watched it for a long time when I was younger, Yeah. whenever I went to the ground, I, I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Just, except for the basic stuff. So yeah. I was like, this can be so much more fun if yeah. I know what's happening. Yeah. And then when, when we started training and we started going through the stuff, like I started seeing everything. I'm like, holy shit, this, this fight is fucking nuts. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's more exciting. I'm screaming you're at the like, team. You're like, un, like unwrap like this whole world. This is the whole new world, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah. yo, I'm on a fucking magic carpet. This shit's nuts. Yeah, so yeah. when that's when um, 
just appreciating grappling started uh, happening for yeah. me. And I, you know, I started watching like Polaris and all this yeah. other stuff. And now I'm I'm starting to see the setups. I'm starting to see yeah. what these fighters are trying to do. And when they yeah. get it, it's fucking satisfying. But there's still like boring grapplers, you know? And oh, then there's sure. still fucking people like Khabib who you just see somebody drowning underneath them. Like, yeah. holy crap. When I watch him fight somebody, I feel bad for the fighter. Yeah. Because I they look desperate. They yeah. go... In their mind, they go, I've been working this whole camp yeah. to fight a grappler. Yeah. And they go, To not get here. <laughs> and and like, shit, I'm here. It still wasn't enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When people are like, get up. I'm like, all right. I know. All right, cool. I'll throw your ass in an ocean and tell you to <laughs> get up. Get out of the ocean, fool. That, no, that was the, uh, no the, lifeboat. The, the hard thing to deal with because when we were first kickboxing and then uh, Nick would just fuck around and then yeah. he would go for a double leg, right? Yeah. I just couldn't see it. Yeah. I'm like, I, 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 there was no way I would have defended yeah. that. You feel violated, right? <laughs> I it's do. Like, I feel like a little bitch. I'm like, how the I fuck? I thought we were boxing. Yeah, no. <laughs> but just just going from that yeah. and then uh, uh, another buddy of mine, after he did that, mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, hold on a second. Let me let me figure this stuff out. Mm-hmm. I got to learn. I, I got to at least know how to stuff a takedown. Yeah, you were like X, B, <laughs> yeah. L2. I know the shit. And then a buddy of mine, when we were kickboxing, he got a little frustrated and mm-hmm. he just wanted to fuck around. He went for a double leg, but we went over how, how to stuff it. And I mm-hmm. stuffed it and it felt mm-hmm. very empowering. Yeah. It's like, you're not going to get this for free. You got to work for this shit. Yeah. yeah. And it was. That's it, how women feel <laughs> when we turn y'all, when we turn y'all down. <laughs> you don't get this shit for free, bitch. Uh-huh. You got to work with this motherfucking shit. Exactly. And uh, that's why I, I feel like a lot of people should just train in general. It's, mm-hmm. it's number one, it's humbling. And mm-hmm. what I like about fighting the most, and I mentioned this before on this podcast, is mm-hmm. that specifically when it comes to Muay Thai, grappling, mm-hmm. and jujitsu, mm-hmm. you can't lie. Yeah. This isn't Taekwondo. Yeah. This is, taekwondo, because I did Taekwondo my whole life. Yeah. People just give you belts if you give them money. Yeah. Muay Thai, there's no fucking belt. No. You know, it's you come in, you get better. That's what's different about the sport. You really find out what you're made of. I've seen like NFL guys come in and I'll piece them up. You know, I've seen like you come in, it's either going to be instant gratification or in- instant punishment, you know? And if you're truly on a journey to find out what you're really made of, then you'll get better because you're going to be told you're not as good as you thought you were. You're mm-hmm. not as tough as you thought. This board is going to tell you you ain't shit. Yeah. But if you're just strong enough to realize, all right, but I want to be shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then you got to get through it, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not, it's not, it's not easy. So, so I think that's, um, I think that's, the, that's what I tell people. So there's a video is- of my buddy Bart. Uh, yeah. he, he, they were just kind of. Yeah, I'm Bart. I hope he's about to say something good because he just <laughs> threw his whole name out there. Well, Bart, the video's on the YouTube, so you'll see oh, it okay. on. Okay. But he, you know, Carla Sparza, he went all the way to Oyama uh-huh. and just to have a light little light spar session. She tar- him on his head. And she fucked him up. She's a college collegiate wrestler. Well, she's not collegiate, but she's a college wrestler. You know, and it's kind of crazy because you think in your mind, and I asked Bart, I was like, did you kind of play it safe? He goes, well, for the first few seconds, in my mind, I think I'm a bigger guy. Oh, yeah. And then she grabs me and he goes, I really have to try. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every then, sparring session with a new guy with me starts like this. He, they kind of always do this like, mm-hmm. like I'm not really going to hit you thing. Then I boop, boop, and I hit him. <laughs> and then they start tightening up and they're like, all right, yeah, all right, okay, my No bad. free hits now. Like, bad, this is going to hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's sure. the thing. Like when you're a professional fighter, you're a fucking professional fighter. It is what it fucking is. You yeah, know? it's fine. It's fine. Because what people need to understand when they come to the gym is that we've all been fucked up. It yeah. is okay. If I fuck you up, if you fuck me up, it's it's just fine. Like yeah. it's not, no one's going to remember. Nobody cares. I think the humbling thing was like, um, when, when I was training was to, it really helped me put in perspective. There's this, there's, it's weird, right? How 
sometimes there's a gap between a regular person and an amateur fighter, and obviously the, the amateur is the pro, right? Mm-hmm. But there's some people who say that they fight a lot, but they mm-hmm. just have big mouths. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the most disappointing thing for me because prior to that, if somebody just told me that they were an amateur, quote mm-hmm. unquote, kickboxer, right? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh, this guy will fuck me up. That's the MMA community for <laughs> you, man. I'm telling you. And then you come in and then you trade blows with them and you're lighting this guy up. And yeah. it's like, you talk so much shit. Yeah. And like, there was one guy, I literally had a conversation with him. I was like, you should have fucked me up all day today. Yeah. I was like, you came in talking all this other shit. Yeah. Trying to teach me how to do all this other stuff. Yeah. Like critiquing my shit. Yeah. And we just sparred and I just lit you up and I'm not good. So what the fuck are you? You know? <laughs> not shit. And so it made me feel lied to almost. Like I yeah. felt a little dirty. Like you lied oh, to me. That happens every single day. And I don't even know why they do it because yeah it's literally like two you seconds. can't lie we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> punch each other in the face there was like this guy at Ta- tiger muay thai is where i train and i train in the muay thai area and not all even if you're a ufc fighter only if you come from muay thai or if you know muay thai and you're pro you get to be in the muay thai practice pro practice mm. like there's a lot of ufc fighters that aren't allowed to come it just depends on it's muay thai you know so there's some guy that came over this kid was like i want to spar and the thai Coach was like ignoring him. He said, I want to spar. He was like, okay, let me see. He was like, what? Let me see. And then he started shadow ball. He was like, no, you shit. <laughs> like shit. Everything shit. No. No, 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 no. And then he waved him away. And then they got really upset. And then they quit the gym. Wow. But it's just like, you, you don't see in America, like we're, when we don't, that's not receptive. Like, like you people don't receive that well. So they don't. People kind of humor people more here, you know? I, I watched the uh, Tiger Muay Thai doc, the the tryouts. Oh, shit. I, um, I almost cried watching people. Yeah. And I had no idea. Did you have to do the tryout too? No. Oh, my God. That I shit. did not say that in a stuck-up way. I said that in a thank goodness way because I wouldn't <laughs> have done it. Like, we sit there and watch. Like, I'm already, like, uh, they just did two tryouts. I watched two of them, and I was already part of the, I'm the sponsored fighter there. Mm-hmm. So, like... And in Asia, one obviously is like UFC. So we're like sponsored, you know? So I'm sitting there like just watching like, ooh, ooh. ooh." (laughs) So like, but when they win those tryouts, like Mike Davis, he's in the UFC now killing it. Mike Davis is fucking dope, his I was there at his tryouts. He killed it. And when they win it, we're just like giving him rounds, like whatever he needs. You need me to drill? Like, because we respect you now. Like we saw you go through that. Like- (sighs) I just think the ties just need something. You have to just earn it. Like they, just, you just need to give them something. And that's why they have these kind of tryouts, you know, that most other gyms don't have because they're like, we don't know you. You can't just walk. You got, we got to show you something. You, you got to show the us something. The Muay Thai tryouts where the the pad holders are fucking these guys that's up. High pad holding. I in, I would have cried like mm-hmm. the moment people so, do. I would have broke down because it's not like they're people do. They're not, they're not even doing it for show. They're cracking oh they don't care about the show yeah yeah and they're just like afterwards after this guy is just had like his the spirit beaten out of him Mm -hmm. he goes he's pretty good (laughs) like hey fuck you guy i'm dead because of you yeah they're like hey you want to go eat (laughs) it's like after you just beat the living fucking shit out of me yeah and only ties know how to do that not that they know how but they just don't have that like boundary because i remember one time the tie oh they have like um Muay Thai day, then they have a boxing day and a conditioning day. Mm-hmm. The boxing coaches, they're just from a technical boxing thing. You know, they were like trying to make it tough, but it looked like a normal practice. Mm-hmm. You just can't mimic what the ties will do you because our boxing coaches were just not like ready to like sock them in the face. You yeah. know? Like the boxing part is just not as fun and just to watch as the Muay Thai part. 
that's what I was watching. That's what I was kind of surprised with the guy at, at that gym in Sacramento. I mm-hmm. didn't realize how traditional he is. Mm-hmm. So when I walked in for the first time, and he had those classic old puzzle mats and whatever. Who? Uh, Master uh, Tong? I can't remember his name anymore, but I, I only have- From Alpha Male? No, 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 oh. no, no, not Master Tong. Okay. Um, he's just like a traditional Muay Lao guy. Like okay. he's- he, trained in Laos and everything. Okay. And this guy, like I had no idea, but right when I walked in, I saw the shrine, I saw the incense and I had to bow and do the whole thing. I was like, yeah. this is going to be a bad day. Also, another tip, if he's drinking what looks like Coke, get out of there. <laughs> if you're not ready, if you're not ready, if you're not about that life, it is not Coke in there. When Thais are drunk, they are so good at t- pad holding, but they're so mean. <laughs> That's fucking Yeah, my nuts. crew, like when he quit drinking, I could tell because he was leaning out. I'm like, yo, happy for you, but I don't want you to hold pads for me anymore. <laughs> he was like, what? I'm like, you're better drunk. You know? Yeah. I'm like, yo, who the hell is this? I would have just gone and gotten a Western pad holder, you know? <laughs> what's the, what's, what's like the reasoning for them to be like so tough? Is it because it's necessary? Like what's, why has it been like that for so long? Yo, it's, the thing is, it's not a, it's not it is a sport. Let me say this the right way. It is a survival type of sport out there, you know? It's to... In in Asian culture, usually, I'm not speaking for everybody, but there are a lot of misfortunes. There's a lot of underprivileged things, but you kind of just suck it up in order to get through life, you know? And it's the same thing with sport. Like, you accept things and you just move on. You just keep going. You don't really fight the system. Mm-hmm. You don't really fight... You know, and and you just got to really earn it. Mm. And so the old schools are just like that. You really just got to earn it. Mm. And there's like, um, there's a pride in it though, you know? There's a lot of fighters you'll meet in America where like, yeah, you know, I fought pro. But there's so many of them. So fucking saturated and they didn't go through anything. So it doesn't really mean anything unless you're in the UFC or Bellator. But Mm. in Thailand, you could be anybody. If you've gone through a Thai camp and fought... In Thailand, everybody will respect you just because we know what you went through. When you when when you be or before you became a pro fighter, were you were you somebody that just liked to fight in general? I had to. I grew up in Oakland. What part of Oakland? Uh, East Oakland. Oh yeah, you grew up in the yeah. <laughs> you fucking the cut. Yeah, you know. So it's like I, I grew up in yeah. I grew up in a. So bad just to get people out there, if you're not from the Bay Area, because I'm from Sacramento, like I we used to go kick it around Oakland, like like East. Did Oakland, you right? why? Uh, just a lot of homies were out there. So, oh, okay. but that place was, I was terrified. You know what I mean? And mind you, like, I'm not a thug. I just grew up around people who happened to do gang shit and they would let me still hang gang, out with gang, them. Gang, gang, gang. So I would hang out with them, right? But they know I'm not about their life. So they were very protective of yeah. me. But I remember, the, so when I was driving back home one day, and yeah. I, this is when I knew I was like, oh, East Oakland is not a nice place. Mm-mm. There was just a gang that was in front of a fucking freeway and they mm-hmm. were taking toll for people to even go through. <laughs> They're like, no, you got to That's pay. actually common in the projects. Yeah. So every time you drive into the projects, there's kids waiting in front. So the 10, from like, if you're nine to like 15 in the, in the projects, that's your job to see who's coming in there. And if there's cops or anything bad coming in, you let everybody else know. She was That's nuts. the hood toll. Yeah. And so when I was, when I was there and I remember, I was like, damn, like I grew up in maybe not the most nicest area in Sacramento, mm-hmm. but I was like, East Oakland is something different. Yeah. You know, like. Certain parts like that, Modesto, Stockton. Like, Not all poor neighborhoods are dangerous, but dangerous neighborhoods are dangerous. Because you know I are the same age. So East Oakland at that time was bad. Crack, it was, crack years. It was 90s. fucking nuts out there. Yeah, it was there. Black Panthers and, and yeah, yeah, it was a lot. But I'm proud of Oakland in the sense that it's very progressive, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of, like, changes come out of Oakland. But, yeah, it was it was rough. And I'm a little Asian girl, you yeah. know? And I don't take any shit. 
Because also, it's not just from being Oakland that I'm tough. I'm also a refugee, you know? I'm a <laughs> Vietnamese refugee. You put that together. There's like no feelings at home. Like, what's a feeling? Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, yeah. there's no feelings at home. And then when you go to... I actually think it was being Asian and an immigrant that made me tougher. Because there, I would like... We came from Vietnam, you know? And I would go... Even in the projects, they'd be like complaining. And I'm like, yo... You get food stamps and air conditioning. Like <laughs> I came from a fucking village. Like you know, this is this Yo, is all there right. Was, there was this rapper, this Sudanese rapper named Bangs, the funniest guy. I think he's he's to him he's a serious rapper, but to the rest of the world, I'll show you a video later. It's right. the funniest fucking. Right. He has a song. Insert video here. Yes, Just this, kidding. he has a song called <laughs> "Let Me Take You to the Movies." The funny. Wait, what? I'll show you. You'll fucking die like laughing. The theater. Yes. So this guy. He had this line that was the most fire fucking line ever because of how real it was. Do it. He was like, he said, he goes, a lot of these rappers out there is talking about they have it hard. I don't even have shoes. <laughs> and I said, oh, shit. That's why because I'm like, when people are like scared of Francis Ngannou, I'm like, don't be scared of his size. Be scared that he's from the fucking village and he will like stop at nothing to beat you. Dude, when I see Francis Ngannou in a cage, I go... I wonder what the other fighter is thinking right now. Well, so I started re-watching a lot of Francis's fight. And I I didn't realize that before he knocks somebody out, the other person actually connects a hit before his hit. It just doesn't do shit to him. Yeah, but also it's the heart, you know? Like, let's go back to the Sage and Cosmo fight. Mm-hmm. Something's happening here. Um, like, Sage is fighting for what? Glory, fame, and to make his parents proud. Yeah. Cosmo's fighting for life. Cosmo mm. is fighting with a chip on his shoulder that he's been a 10-time world champion and nobody knows him. And here's this kid comes in with all this fame and he's supposed to be fed to this kid. Mm. That's what Cosmo is fighting for, you know? That's why people are like, B, you're so small, but you're inspiring because you fight hard. Yeah, because I'm a refugee and immigrant. I grew up in the hood. Like, I'm fighting for so much, you know what I mean? And so, like, that 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 is a huge difference. Like, Mike Perry, people don't know. Mike Perry comes from a rough, rough neighborhood. And he has a lot of trauma in his life, you know? Uh, it's hard can't to beat tell that. From just Mickey Gall was chilling. Mm-hmm. You know, Mickey Gall had like daycare and like babysitters and shit. Man, so that's so funny that you were talking about this because I feel like a lot of the people that I connect with are also people who grew up in a, a, a similar socioeconomic situation that I did, right? Yeah. There's something about the worldview, how you view things, how you appreciate things and how you respect things. Yeah. That's different when you didn't grow up with a lot of things. Yeah. And so it's true. Like when you see somebody like Mickey Gall and you see somebody like Mike Perry, who, you know, he's dealing with a lot of mental shit right now. Yeah. But when somebody grew up in the cuts and you try to take, mm-hmm. it's like you're trying to take a bone away from a dog when that's all he has. Mm-hmm. He's not going to let you get that bone that easy. I like, I dated a fighter from my gym a long time ago, like six years ago. And he is a martial artist, we used to always say, and I'm a fighter, mm. you know? Now I, I've learned to infuse the two. But, like, he was just, like, so much better than me. Yeah. He just didn't have the heart I had, you know? So he didn't make it anywhere in his career. But, mm. like, there's two different things, I think, you know? Like, in that fight, Mike Perry was a fighter, and Mickey Gall was a martial artist. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend to know I'm Mickey Gall's background, but I can just kind of tell. You can kind of see it, like, you know? Mike Perry. It's it's Maybe it's that whole thing of, like... It reminds me of um, when MMA started exposing a lot of traditional martial arts, uh-huh. right? And traditional martial arts, yeah, if you get a heel, if you can fucking heel hook somebody in the head, uh-huh. fantastic. One uh-huh. of the most powerful kicks that has ever existed in martial arts. Uh-huh. Can you get it done though? You know, uh-huh. and that's like that difference when when people started seeing like Taekwondo, it has a lot of its uses yeah. in martial arts. Yeah. 
but that alone as a martial arts. It's not battle tested. Exactly. That's why exactly. I love ring tested. Like, yeah. that's why now I'm going to start doing like technique videos and things like that. I never thought about doing before. I'm like, what the fuck? There's plenty out there, you know? But I'll look through YouTube and it's all like these people from dojos. I'm like, yo, that's not going to help a real fighter in the in the ring. There's a guy that I'll use for an example. This guy, his name is DKU, right? Mm-hmm. He's a Korean guy. He's the one that's treating, uh, he got really famous because of these videos of him showing off, um, not showing off, that's the wrong word, but he was doing a demonstration for special ops people, like how to disarm and fight. Yeah. He's a very, very fast guy. Yeah. Right. But you watch his sparring footage. That's yeah. where it's not battle tested. It's yeah, like yeah. these people, yeah. I think your stuff works great on people who haven't had yeah. a single ounce of fighting history. Yeah. But you have somebody who's a fighter who scraps. Uh-huh. It's not going to be that easy. I think that's the problem really too with people out here is like life and martial arts is it's okay to find your lane. It's when you think you're supposed to be in this other lane that you ain't equipped for. That's the problem. Like, it's okay to be, like, flashy move guy, mm-hmm. you know? But don't try to teach fighters. Raymond you know? Daniels it's is a great not, example of, of a guy same. who's flashy but battle-tested as fuck. As fuck. You know what I mean? Dude. Watching him box was, yeah. or kickbox. But he's a freak of nature. It's like Dominic Cruz yeah. or, like, you know, like uh, I used to be coached by Cub Swanson. A lot of things he did, I'm like, Cub, I'm not doing that. Yeah, <laughs> I can't do it. I'm not you. I'm not. I'm yeah. A cartwheel kick. What? Yeah. I'm not doing that. I'm gonna get knocked out. So, like, you know, a lot of people will get misled in that way that they see their favorite fighter. Like, don't just watch John Jones and think you can do what he does. It's just- yeah, I, I think that's just for anybody who who sees like a talent that somebody else has. Mm-hmm. You have to find your lane, mm-hmm. right? So, I think even when I when I first started. Um, kickboxing i tried doing as traditional muay thai at first as, as long as i could mm-hmm. but you know i started in taekwondo yeah. and i think i started finding more success mixing the both yeah. instead of trying to just do something and i think that's important for people when you find coaches yeah. i think a coach will be able to find what your greatest abilities are yeah and then heighten that instead yeah. of telling them you should work what i tell you to do yeah you know i mean people always say like damn b you've been at all the gyms I'm like yeah i haven't found like i mean i love tiger i think i found my spot at tiger but um it's not a it's not a, a testament to the coach's skill. Mm-hmm. It's the, can you, do you vibe with me as a person and as me stylistically or how I am, you know? At Tiger, it's very independent. A lot of fighters wouldn't like Tiger because some fighters like to be ba- babysat through their whole schedule and whatever. Uh-huh. Tiger, everybody's doing their own thing. Like everybody, when you show up when you want to, and if you don't show up, the coach is not going to chase you. Mm. You're just going to lose the fight. Like, so that, that's why they really they, they kind of find those specific people who, who are kind of gonna they, they know that they're here to win yeah and and it's they'll drop you any day if you if you want to come out there and be like spoiled because they deal with asian fighters out there and that's the difference with one too and i wish that more people would be inclined to watch it because there's like stories like samapet who's like a thai legend he used to pick up trash for a living just to like feed his family, you know? Oh, shit. And now he's fighting on one. There's people like that. Like this girl I fought, uh, Bozina, she's a um, uh, Lumpani, no, what was it called? Lithuay champion. Mm. Lithuay is bare knuckle. <laughs> Lithuay is fucking nuts. So these people are fighting for their lives and they're fighting mm-hmm. for their families and fighting for legacy. So you're really going to see some bomb ass fights. Yeah. It's not like. You're going to see some fighters where it's like, all right, cool, whatever, on to the next. Or I, mean, I got a big paycheck. Watching Eddie Alvarez go into 1FC Ooh. and then getting his Timofey, we did the camp together. Timofey's my teammate. Sheesh. We did camp together and you should see Timofey. He's like, no stopping him, dude. That shit was crazy. And I was like, welcome to 1FC, huh? I was like, 1FC? I mean, 
yeah, Eddie Alvarez was a little older, but he is definitely yeah. top tier in the UFC too. Yeah. He was still dope. Yeah. And he caught he got fucking smashed. Yeah. I'm talking about he went he went head to head with Poirier. Yeah. So, you know, watching that fight, I was my jaw dropped. I was yeah. like, Yo. of course, UFC has the best in the world, but so does one. And yeah. especially, I will tell you now, if you're a lighter fighter coming to UFC, you need to you need to research. Hey. You need to be careful cuz like these 35ers, 25ers, 45ers, holy moly. You fought they they have a uh, ring promotions too. It's not just the cage. I fought stamp in a ring. That's, that was my biggest mistake in my what was entire like? career. Holy crap. She was so comfortable with the clinch. So like, if you, if you, I watched the fight over and over again. Um, it's actually, I think one of the greatest uh, female fight, not to, not because of me. It's just, I watched it over and over again of 1FC because like, if I watched the fight from my end, from beginning to end, I'm like, okay, B, you did the double leg. Good. You reaped. Good. Like I did everything right. Her clench was just superior and like, and she was so comfortable. They can kind of sit on the rope, mm. you know, they can kind of lean on the rope and then they can, they can clench you out and move. Like, mm. it's just, I was just in it. I thought I was coming in there with MMA experience because it was MMA, but she brought in ring experience and I was like, holy oh. shit. Yeah. Because against the cage, I can lean against them and reap them down a lot. Like slide them. You've seen that, right? Yeah. Like slide them down or like trip them or whatever. But in the ring, I just couldn't. Like she was just so set in the rings. In the that ring. was the. I think that's like one of those things where, um, where I'm watching these fights and you see somebody with a great clinch game. Yeah. And it's like having a lobster just Sick. grab hold of you and you're fucked, dude. And it's humiliating because like it's more painful. The knees, like it hurt. Yeah. I didn't show it because I'm crazy, and adrenaline. That's the thing that I always see. Like when I watch fighters and they just take a leg kick. Mm-hmm. Does, like, if we're sparring and somebody hits with a leg kick, I go times out. Really. <laughs> I'm like that shit locks up. I'm yeah. like you fucking yeah. dick. Yeah. Like I can't move my leg, yeah. and then I just see fighters just take it, yeah. like a full on, full blast, sat down leg kick, and they go, and they're still mm-hmm. bouncing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, that's that not- happens so often in one when fighters from other countries come over and they don't know how to check a leg kick, their legs just smashed because these guys it's are just, bad. it's bad. There's like a small little clip that I have in my phone of just because Nick and I were sparring a little bit. You know, he always goes easy on me, but yeah, uh, I had shin guards. And yeah. then I think he forgot he didn't. He hit me with one leg kick and I was like, He forgot hey. he didn't. Like, what a dick. Was, Nick, you're a dick. <laughs> I was like, we're done. He I'm forgot like, he didn't. And the next day, the inside of my leg was fucking bruised all the way yeah. up. I was like, fuck this guy. That shit hurts so bad. And I was like, man, I'm not about this life, huh? If you're ever in Asia, do not. If you don't have your shin guards or you forgot, go home. Yeah. Don't even go. Because, yeah, you're going to die. Like, if you don't have your shin guards, they will kick you as hard as that you can because they find it like disrespectful, like you know. Oh my god! They will fuck you up, bro. How how do you when when you train versus like in Asia and over here is Asia always tougher? Yeah. Damn. Here, well, here the wrestling's tough. Like wrestling mm. practices in America are fucking sick. Yeah. Um, wrestling's over over there. The the coach George Hickman, he's really good, but the general public just isn't that good yet mm. so it's so i'm like wrestling i'm like yes and everybody's like oh my god it's wrestling yeah. but when it's like muay thai day it's like oh shit like, it's gonna be it's, rough it's gonna be rough you know um definitely i have seen fighters over there that are fighting for trump change that are trying to make it in the world and it kind of breaks my heart because they don't have the opportunities that a lot of people have here in america mm. they are just sick there's like 16 year olds that'll kill a lot of pro fighters here that i've like as far as striking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's just, it's eye-opening. We're watching a lot of these like elite kickboxers. They come in 
And if they have good defense, right? If you can't take that double leg on them or you can't take the single leg, you mm-hmm. can't drag them. Mm-hmm. Like Adesanya is a great example. Mm-hmm. He's not going to let you touch him. And people are like, yeah. they were talking mad shit. Now I've been a huge Adesanya fan. So when he came yeah. to the UFC, I got, I got really hyped. Yeah. But I oh, was- Oh, you knew him during kickboxing. Yeah. I mean, he got knocked out once. I forgot who the guy was. Yeah, um, that guy that's talking shit now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, I mean, he got knocked out once. But prior to that, I mean, he was an amazing kickboxer. Yeah. Specifically just because of the his tool bag was so huge. Yeah. Just watching him doing the, his question question mark kick. I just loved watching yeah, him yeah, fight. Yeah. yeah. But when he came to the UFC, even I was concerned to see how he was going to deal with these takedowns. Yeah. And I'm like, people cannot take this point down. Yeah, he's athletic, man. And some people just get it. Some yeah, it, just... I feel like he's just, his fight IQ is so high. Yeah, some people just get it. Like, And then some people have, like... Like, stamp. I have pretty good wrestling. And mm. I couldn't take her down because of her clinch. Jesus. Yeah, and that's why I'm really interested in seeing her and Angela Lee because Angela uses the clinch to take, get her takedowns. And I'm like, um... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That whoa, might be some Yeah. Whoa, whoa. We might have a problem there, but yeah. When, but. when you um go to a fight, right? And I always wondered about this too, specifically with fighters. Like, um, is there some kind of like mental like downfall that you have from from taking a loss or is that something that you just take well because you know, you've had like a harder upbringing because sometimes when i watch fighters and i see how they take these losses and i'm always worried about their next fight yeah. to see how it's going to fuck them up mentally because specifically undefeated fighters they Those have this- are the worst i was just going to say that my first loss was probably the worst my first loss as a pro was like the worst thing ever because also i was like real built up mm. like i was like i had fans in my amateur career like if i was pro and so, like, then I went pro and I was 3-0. And then everybody was like, oh, my God, she's the next big thing. And then I lost and I was like, holy shit, I suck. Mm. Like, literally dramatic. I was like, I suck. That's it. You know, it's like managing your expectations. When you, you know, you think you're this much and then you lose, it breaks more. But when you know you're not invincible, then you can deal with it better. Then you can just compartmentalize it. Like, all right, it was a loss. Cool. We'll move on. You mm. know? But if you've never lost before, like... Like, uh, Angela came back pretty good. But when she lost to Jean Lee, oh, damn it. I'm not good at her name. <laughs> I don't want to butcher it. I'd rather not try it. Yeah. But um, I'm a big fan of hers, actually. When she when she beat Angela, Angela was, like, broken, you know? Yeah. That shit hurts. How, do you, how did you, like, mentally kind of move past it? Because I feel specifically with, you know, even in our generation, mm-hmm. too, um, and, and the younger generation, uh, loss is something that a lot of people just don't want to deal with a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a relative too mm-hmm. where he just couldn't deal with fucking up. Like yeah. that, that concept of failing yeah. was so foreign to him, yeah. right? And what I was trying to tell him in my case too, yeah. because he was trying to use me as an example. He goes like, yeah. well, you're doing well. I was yeah. like, yeah, but you never saw how many times I failed. Yeah. Like, yeah, I failed so many yeah. fucking times. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is a part of the growth process, right? But I guess like for fighting, I don't know what it feels like for fighting because even when I spar sometimes and I have like the worst days, I feel like shit. Like yeah. I feel terrible. Like it yeah. eats me up yeah. all fucking day, yeah. you know? That's that's because you're not experienced. Mm. That's what happens when you don't manage your expectations. It's like an emotional roller coaster because like, fuck, I got to get this takedown. Damn it, I didn't get the takedown shit. Yeah, I got to get this punch. Damn it, I didn't get the punch shit. It's over. But when you're a pro, you're like, all right, cool. Takedown didn't work. Go to something else. All right, cool. Mm. The punch didn't work. Go to something else. But like to manage loss, it depends on who you're talking to because so how you are in sport is how you are in life, right? So you go back to like Little League. That little motherfucker that cheats, he's always going to be a cheater. 
The little motherfucker that half asses it, he's always going to be the half asser. You know, like you are in life how you are in sport. For me, it's the opposite. I've been in sport how I've been in life because I've been through so much in life that once I started this sport, I was like, dude, I've been here before. Like letdowns or whatever. They're not yeah. really letdowns. They're just kind of just what happens. And I dealt with it by just moving on. I got another fight. Yeah. I booked one right away. That's nuts. Like I booked one right away. I could not stand it. I was like, yo, I'm back. Like, could you not, was it more like motivating for you to be like, I don't like this loss and I want to come back and do better? No, I didn't give a shit about the loss. It was, um, it wasn't the loss like publicly or I still don't care. Like when people make fun of like, for how high ranked I am and how high level I am, my record doesn't reflect it. And I don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. It's not really the loss that I hurt. It was for me is like, I want to show myself I can do better. Yeah. And you know, like I just, I can do better. I can do better. And how better to show yourself you can do better than doing it again. Were you, were you, were you uh, uh, born in Vietnam? I was born in Vietnam. When did you come here? 95. Oh, okay. So yeah. How old were you then? You were... I was seven. Oh, shit. So you came here pretty later on then. Yeah, yeah. I remember Vietnam. And my entire family came with me. So we have like tons of generations in the family. Like we have a big family. Oh, really? Yeah. Like. Yeah, like my mom and dad, obviously, and my sisters were all went through the Vietnam War. And then we have my middle sisters who went through, like, the aftermath of the Vietnam War. And then we have me, who was, like, coming to America. Damn. That's, that's all fucking, in one family. That's fucking nuts. Yeah, so nobody understood each other. Nobody gave a shit what each other felt like because everybody had different life experiences, you know? Huh. It was hard. Like, And then I go to, I go to like, my American school, and they have, like, feelings. And their mom's, like, hugging them. And, like, <laughs> like if they didn't like their lunch— they would throw it away. And I was like, you can throw your food away? You don't think? I'm like looking up like my mom's, somebody's watching me. Like, <laughs> yeah. I gotta eat all this shit. Even if it's spoiled, I'll throw it up later. Yeah. But, and then I go home and I tell them like, hey, like my friends aren't getting hit and they're not like kneeling on rocks. Like, <laughs> and my family like, all right, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. You want to go over there? Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Isn't that crazy though? Like, uh. I think that's the the how how insane everybody's life experiences can be so different in this country, yeah. right? And that's where, you know, I, I talk about this um, where I had a conversation uh, with somebody about asking me about masks, right? Mm -hmm. And they were asking about this comparison to how it is in Asia. And they go, well, in Asia, people wear masks, right? I was like, well, for me anyways, this is how I see it. This mm -hmm. is not, I didn't read this anywhere or mm -hmm. I'm not coming from a scientific standpoint. Mm -hmm. This is just my perspective in my mm -hmm. life mm -hmm. um, because I have traveled across Asia and I've seen yeah. everything. Um, this country's basis of what nationalism is, mm -hmm. is scattered. Mm -hmm. What what people believe in national pride in the United States mm -hmm. is going to be different from the person next to me to the person down the street. Mm -hmm. In Asia, it's a little more cohesive. I'm not saying everybody in mm -hmm. Asia has the same idea, mm -hmm. idea but their mm -hmm. identity as a nation is mm -hmm. very, very similar. Mm -hmm. Like for me, me as an Asian American kid that grew up in Sacramento and California, mm -hmm. my idea of what an American is mm -hmm. doesn't really have a face, mm -hmm. right? It's somebody who wants to pursue their life here and whatever happiness yeah. and whatever dream that they want. Yeah. But there's somebody out in the South that's going to be like, I agree with that too, but it's only for white people. Yeah. So this country's identity is so it's so scattered. Well, it's a it's, it's a good and a bad, you know. It's it's scattered because it's not really an indigenous country. It's yeah. it's it's of everybody coming here and everybody has different views and different experiences, you know. I was told different stories by their mom and their grandma and like it's treated differently, you know. So it's hard to compare America to anywhere else. And also America sees a nation as borders. Mm. 
Americans don't travel as much as they should. Culture in Europe, culture in Asia, you're all over the place. People identify themselves with culture. Mm. So like in Asia, if you're Vietnamese, you go to Thailand, you know you're Vietnamese because you you have different tastes in food. Mm. You talk a little different, whatever. But you don't see it as like, I don't know. America just kind of sets themselves apart so much. Yeah. And they take pride in setting themselves apart. And I think that is a uh, weakness of ours. It's not really something to be prideful of. I think we need to see the rest of the world more to be able to understand ourselves I mean, it's more. hard too for people here just because I, I think we we can even go further back of how this country was started. Yeah, this country it's was started not, through... It's kind of impossible to have like, you know, like definitive pride, but like pride in which part of the nation, pride in which exactly. part of history, pride from what house, like, you know, so... It's 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 crazy. But like the whole mask thing, it's quite fucking simple. Okay? You oh, probably, for sure. It's quite fucking simple. In Asia, people wear it when they're sick. When they have a cold, they wear it. Yeah. You know? So I don't get you sick. Yeah. It's like being mad if somebody asks you to put a condom on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's for your safety. You get mad if he doesn't put a condom on. So yeah. I'm mad you're not putting on a mask. Yeah. It's literally the same exact thing. And uh, they just it's don't see odd, it like that. It's just a huge cultural difference too. Because I, I feel like in Asia, people tend to be a little more concerned about their other people, right? So like over yeah. here, like I said, we always have to take it back to history and kind of what this country was founded on. Yeah. In the United States, people came here because they were fleeing from something else. Yeah. You know what I mean? This, you want to talk about refugees? This, this is a refugee country. You know what I mean? Like people bounced away and they no. wanted to start their own rules and everything else. Yeah. And because this country is kind of based on this idea of mutiny, yeah. that's how... Every, everybody's scared that their whole, their rights are going to be taken away from a mask, which the is issue, so odd. The issue is like every few centuries, or so, certain, some, certain people just want to just up and decide, you know what? That's enough of refugee people coming in. We're going to just pee around this country and that's it. This is America now. Now we have to set new rules. Like you can't just decide all of a sudden this is going to be like, yours yeah, yeah, yeah it's an ever like flowing this is what the country's about it's like a flow of like people coming in and out or people coming here to flee like you said you know who are you to say okay you are the generation to just set this america uh, like set this country and block everybody else out yeah like, that's the crazy thing to me um i guess because i'm immigrant so my my um my perspective it's is different but i love america like like you said everybody has different pride like i love the american dream you know like and that's what i had yeah you know what i mean so i came here in order to build my life so that i can go and do what i do in vietnam now how did so your how did crazy. your uh your, your family come here was it was it for we're by so my sister came first by boat okay um and then she brought us over by plane okay yeah so that's kind of nuts. Like I always hear like some some people's stories of how, how they came into this country and it's always different, right? Specifically from oh, Vietnam yeah. because of the war. Yeah. Like there are some people who came here through sponsorship. Some people came here through yeah. adoption. Yeah. Some other people came here because they fucking had a kid with a GI out yeah. over there and they brought them over too. Any means necessary is the only common factor. Yeah. Any means necessary. Was it, was it hard for you to kind of adjust to living here like in the United States when you were set? I mean, because I mean, culturally, like it, Hell yeah, but it's way easier than if an American was to go to a third world country and adjust. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. nicer. Yeah. Yeah, I had to adjust to like people being ignorant to my culture and stuff, but I never had complaints because not nothing is easy when you're transitioning. And I was just lucky enough to transition in a place that was safer and and we had more like a place that was safer for me 
than where I came from. Isn't that nuts though? Doesn't does it bother you sometimes when you hear a lot of people complain about the situation that they're in? Because I think for me, I have sometimes. I don't want to say, I guess because I, I scrutinize more Asian Americans, I'm Asian American, right? Mm-hmm. So like when I hear these kids who have parents who are first generation mm-hmm. immigrants, right? Because mm-hmm. I immigrated here too. I'm from Korea. Mm-hmm. And then I think because we grew up with a lot of nothing. So when even when I have something right now, yeah. I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. So sometimes it's hard for me to listen. Like when you said that, it's like you hear these yeah. kids, they go, I don't want to eat this for lunch. And you're like, bitch, you got a choice? Like what the yeah. fuck? What the fuck is yeah, that shit? Yeah, yeah. Like that's, that's nuts. Yeah. But I'm not really bothered by it. I just feel bad for them. Mm. You know, I'm just like, because whenever I tell my story, it's kind of, it's crazy. Like, I'm like a, I come from like a ball of a bunch of underprivileged things. You mm. know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really my life. Yeah. But now I'm praised for it. What I used to be ashamed of, I used to hate being Asian because fob wasn't cute. And like, I used to, all kinds of stuff. And we'll get into it now. But um, I used to be ashamed of where I come from. And now, and people used to make fun of it. And now people praise me for like, B, how are you so strong? B, wow, your story is incredible. People only praise you once you get through it. So it's like, who gives a shit? Like, that's Mm. how I'm going to teach my kid. Like, you better start praising yourself now for the mishaps, like for the, for everything you're going through, for the, the hole in your shirt, you know? Because, like, the fake praise is going to come later. Like, yeah, yeah, you need yeah. to start praising yourself now. Yeah. I think that's why people sometimes have an issue with, uh, mm-hmm. it was hard for me to understand. Maybe because I'm, I'm, I have a very just kind of lax approach about a lot mm-hmm. of things. Except for certain things that piss me off. But <laughs> <laughs> I was like. Yeah. But I mean, but I always do it with the sense of, like, comedy, right? Yeah. Because I always have to make somebody yeah, laugh at Yeah, you're brilliant the end of at it. it. You're good at so, it. So at the end of the day, like when people ask like, man, you, you must be pissed a lot. It's like, no, actually once I say it and I yeah, make yeah, the joke, I yeah. move on with my life. Yeah. Like I'm not sitting here yeah. dwelling on something unless I'm trying to make an, a positive change for it. Yeah. Right. No, but that's how people, that's how you get people to hear it. Yeah. Cause people just respond better to being confronted. Like some people have to be fucking confronted, you know, just because you have a sense of peace for yourself doesn't mean that when you want change in others, like peace might not work. You might have to cuss a motherfucker out. Oh, for sure. Like I always, I'm pretty sure you guys know out there too. You always know one motherfucker that mouths off too much. And the first thing that pops in your head is you've never been socked in the face before. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have never been socked in the yeah. face. Because if you got socked in the face, you wouldn't be mouthing off like that. Yeah. You know, and that's lo and behold, specifically yeah. when I went to college, there was a, I mean, this is a very weird story, but when I went to Number one, I didn't want to go to UC Riverside. I went to UC Riverside because my my dad told me he was going to disown me if I didn't go to a university, mm-hmm. even though it was a shit university at the time. Mm-hmm. So I went to Riverside and I, I I didn't live anything outside of my bubble. It was mm-hmm. just the homies that I was around. I was a geeky little kid that mm-hmm. just happened to grow up around bad people because I grew up with them as kids. Mm-hmm. They just went a different route and I just hung around them. Mm-hmm. So when I went to Riverside, I I wasn't used to being around different people right? Mm -hmm. Specifically people that weren't of my socioeconomic status. Mm -hmm. And I never really saw bullying. The only time I saw bullying really Mm -hmm. was when it was a thug robbing somebody, you know what I mean? Which to me is not bullying. That's just, you know, you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. You're going to get your shit jacked. But I remember for the first time where I I saw this, uh, it was this Asian kid and it was at at the dorm that I was in. And there Mm -hmm. was an Asian kid getting punked by these two white kids um, that went to the same school, high school as them before. Mm -hmm. And so his bullies essentially- Followed him. Followed him to the same fucking college. 
And so I wasn't used to seeing this shit, but I yeah. remember I got so angry, yeah. not even at those two white guys, I got yeah. at the Asian kid. Yeah. So literally as this is happening, and mind you, I'm a geeky, fat Asian boy, yeah. but I grew up in a very bad area yeah. and bullying wasn't something that I really took akin to. I was still six foot one, a fucking huge kid. Yeah, yeah. So this kid is getting punked. And I remember I literally walked up and I went to this white guy and I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Right? And he was like, oh, well, I'm just having fun. And I literally slapped him mid-sentence and yeah. I was like- Still fun? Yeah. What the fuck are you going to do about it? And this dude was like, oh, what the fuck? We're just joking around. I told him to get the fuck away before yeah. I fuck him up. Yeah. I think like it kind of, it was a little weird that the bully got confronted like that. Yeah. <laughs> I looked at this Asian kid and I got so mad at him. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why are you letting yeah. them talk to you like that? I was yeah. like, you don't got to take that shit. Yeah. The kid just stood there quiet. And I felt, yeah. you know, when I reflect on it now, I felt bad because I, he didn't, that kid didn't need that, but I got yeah. really disappointed. Well, that, maybe he did. Yeah. And I, look at, and I look at guys like that, right? And I'm mm-hmm. like, those guys never got socked before. Yeah. They never had a bully come, uh, a yeah. kid who they typically thought they could bully uh-huh. stand up to them. Yeah. And I was telling them, I was like, if you stood up to them, they wouldn't have done shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I remember I went to American High for a little bit. And then I went over to James Logan because we were just like jumping around trying to use different addresses <laughs> yeah. to get better schools. But um, anyway, I was at James Logan and... Um, these two, these twins, damn it, I forgot your names, but you know who you are. Hopefully, <laughs> you know, you're you're a big Asian name. So hopefully these little shits are listening. <laughs> um, they're probably big shits now, but <laughs> they followed me from Fremont and came over to James Logan was trying to confront me as two twin sisters. And I remember it was a football game and nobody knew me. I was always a loner. I've never needed like friends. I was always a loner. So I was by myself and she, they came up to me and was like just talking shit. And I just had enough. And I literally, I kid you not, I've had some great high school fight stories. But I socked one of them. Luckily, they were standing like kind of next to each other, but one was kind of back. I socked one and my arm went through and socked the second one in the same punch. (laughs) And the whole stadium cheered. Like everybody was like, oh, you're my sister now. We fucking love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was like, what did you, you really didn't think something was going to happen? Like they came from American High to James Logan and uh, that'd be cool because I, I haven't been back to Cali, so hopefully some of your listeners are like, oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it, dope. It's, it's kind of crazy though when we see uh, people like to test people a lot, you know. And um, yeah. I mentioned this always before. It's like I used to get bullied out a lot when I was younger, but my my biggest objective was because you know i grew up so poor and then also like my dad never liked the fact that i got bullied Uh he was like well if they're gonna bully you just make sure that you're the hardest person that they're gonna bully ever so i i got removed from that elementary school for fighting too much yeah and then my on paper it looked like i was a bad kid but it's just that people always always try to punk me because i was such a nice kid but but were you always tall you're pretty tall i was was a big kid but i was i was always nice and Uh so the problem with that is that people take your kindness and they take it as weakness and so (laughs) <laughs> this kid with thick little glasses, the dweeby Aww. little kid, little anime kid. And then, but they also didn't know I grew up in a very bad neighborhood. Yeah. And if I wasn't tough, I would get my shit jacked yeah. every fucking day. So For it's sure. like the school that I went to wasn't that bad compared to where I was all the time. So uh-huh. when I would go to school, like I remember when I transferred schools um, to this other elementary school, within the first week, these kids tried to jump me. And then they found out really quick how difficult it was going to be. Yeah. So they were like, oh, this big kid, he's fucking angry. Yeah. Because I remember this kid came up to me and he was, it was him. It was, this, it was this really weird group. It was like this one white boy with these two Mexican dudes and they tried to punk me. And uh, I was like, what, nine or nine or something at the time. Mm. And, I, and I remember this kid, uh, he had a basketball <laughs> 
And then he would like, he tried to chuck it at me and I grabbed- A basketball? That yeah, doesn't he, really hurt. And then he kind of chucked it at me and I was like, what the fuck? And I kind of <laughs> let it go. I was like, whatever. And I started walking home. And as I'm walking home, I was doing Taekwondo at the time as a little kid. Uh-huh. But this kid tried to run up and tackle me and I just back straight kicked him right Hell in the yeah. fucking gut. And Don- I wasn't bad at Taekwondo kick. when I was a kid. I was good. And yeah. so I literally back straight kicked him in the gut Hell and he yeah. collapsed and he was gasping for fucking air. And I just turned around and these kids were like, yo, yo, we we're just fucking joking around. And I got so fucking mad and I had a really bad temper as a kid. I just started yeah. stomping this kid's face in on Fuck the floor. Yeah. And then he just never fucked with me again. <laughs> it was like. That's what you got to do sometimes. And man. it's like, and I, and I wonder too now, it's like, and you know, obviously it wasn't a great neighborhood. So it's like, these are the type of things that we had to do growing up. But that's why I worry about kids these days. It's like. Sometimes when people tell me stories and I'm in a big group, I'm really good at reading the room, Mm -hmm. okay? Because sometimes I'm like a little too tough. So like I'll read the room and they're like tell stories about their kids or their niece and nephews or something or their old childhood. And I'm like, what's in my head? I'm like, what's the problem with that? Like, you know, and they're like, oh, oh my God, they fought like they hit him. And I'm like, yo, we used to get stomped (laughs) and we're fine. Like, actually, I'm great. You know, like sometimes in interviews, like they're like, B, how do you, how are you so tough and so brave? So I'm like, sometimes I want to say, cause my dad used to beat the shit out of me. Like, <laughs> cause we used to like, you know, we used to just learn how to live life. Like I worry about kids these days. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, there's definitely different ways to go about it. And I always tell people when it comes to like Im- immigrant parents, yeah. when you're, when you're kind of struggling with the day to day, you're trying to fucking make ends meet you have children you have yeah. all these problems yeah and you expect some of these immigrant parents to sit down and be yeah. like hey little b yeah, this yeah. is what you got to do yeah sometimes they don't got fucking time for that <laughs> shit they're emotionally exhausted they're yeah. financially exhausted yeah sometimes the marriage for a lot of these immigrant families they stay together because they want to keep the family unit yeah. together because it's better for the children yeah. it's better for them yeah. if they split up they don't speak english they don't yeah. know how to start their life without them yeah so a lot of the times when my parents would hit me it wasn't because they weren't smart enough to sit down and talk to me. They didn't have the time. Yeah. It's like, listen, I'm going to beat your ass real quick because yeah. I got to get to work. I got to work 20 hours today. Yeah. So I'm going to fuck you up real fast yeah. so you know how serious I am. And yeah. then we'll, when, when I have time, I'll come and talk to you about it. Yeah. So obviously now that we we have a lot more time, we have more money. Yeah. Most likely, I'm probably not going to beat the shit out of my kids. Like, yeah, of course. You but know? It, it doesn't have to be that. I mean, um, they just didn't know any better. But I mean, for me, when my goddaughter falls, I'm like, you all right? Yeah. Like, I'm not running at you, mm-hmm. crying, you know? I'm like, yo, you good? Yeah. Like, do you want to go home or do you want to keep playing? And she'll tell me. She'll make a decision whether she wants to go home or keep playing. Yeah. And it's her decision. And that's just, you know, it's not... You just deal with them how how you know life is going to deal with them, you know? Yeah, because I don't think I would ever trade some of my upbringing now because I think like it really helped solidify men. I mean, I'm not saying it works for everybody. I think I I was just very fortunate enough that I I was able to make things a lot funnier in my head than it actually was. Because we we talk about this too. And I talk about this with comedy a lot because some some people have a uh, trouble with like selective moralism. What I mean by that is that poverty, getting my ass beat, yeah. Getting jumped, being robbed. Yeah. These are all not funny things. Yeah. But comedy allows it to be funny. Right. So when you take a moral high ground on comedy and you yeah. can laugh at my pain from being poor, mm-hmm. what's the fucking difference if I laugh about, I don't know, you being ugly, but you're yeah. like, you can't judge the way that I look. It's or like, like you being a, 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 what is it? When they receive like a trust fund baby? Yeah, or, something or some like that. shit, it's right? Like, it's like, it is what it is, you know, but yeah. a it's lot. It's art. Of, yeah. It's art. And, and art comes from, you know, experiences. So. A lot of this stuff really molds how, how we are today. And uh, yeah, I, I, the only I, thing I would change is generational wealth. 
yeah. and systemically. And that's why everybody's working towards it right now. Because if you think about it, me and my sisters were all still tough. My sisters are so tough on their kids. But their kids are going to, they're buying cars for their kids. When they turn 16, they're going to have a car. They have a better chance at life, you know, like mm-hmm. generational wealth and like just a better jump at life. I would not take anything back in my upbringing except for how hard we had to work for simple things that life should have just things like food and stuff like that. Like, I don't think those are things you need to work for. Did you 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 ever, did you ever uh, get bullied when you were younger? Yeah, but I got bullied by, I was just challenged constantly when I was younger. I was bullied by my family first, constantly challenged. (laughs) And then I grew up in the hood. So I was fighting like six feet tall, like mixed chicks, you know, like I was like fighting like, big chicks and like groups of chicks and like yeah you know it's not the best upbringing but it just showed me how tough i was you know um who so, are the fights for are you just like walking around they just fucking try to fuck you up no, most of the time you're a little asian girl with knockers in your hair mm. and and you're in a black neighborhood they're like who the hell are you i'm like well we go to the same store these are just the rubber bands they had at the store yeah. What'd you beat me up for? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know? Yeah. and like, yeah, I like the, you know, like, I, I, you know, it was like they, they were just upset that they, they thought I was like appropriating culture, but I mm. was just in the same culture as them at the time, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, it was just a lot of that, but it was obviously now that we're adults, we know it's a lot of projection of everybody else's feelings, but um, it's hard. Be- and it's so weird when we try to have that conversation and, you know, obviously they can only see it from an outside perspective, but it's like, Yo, I'm not from this country. I don't know these rules yet. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't know what I don't know what appropriating is. I, it's yeah. just it's in the store, right? And, and I'm gonna buy. And America it. is just a big old country of cultural appropriation. Yeah. But I I I I just think for me, it's like I feel bad for people who who don't know a lot of things because. It just means you didn't get to go to the Filipino fucking bomb ass house parties I went to. You didn't get to go to the dope ass black barbecues I got to go to. You didn't get to like, I don't know, just I experienced a lot of different people in Oakland, in the Bay Area. And that's why I, people think I say the right things or I'm woke or I know. It's just, I was lucky enough to experience it. Now people think it's a chore. Like, oh, I got to research to make sure I don't say anything offensive. No, just go kick it with people. Yeah. Like go learn, go have fun. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's harder for people scary. because you and I grew up in uh, the Bay area, like NorCal, right? So NorCal yeah. it's, it's, and I, what a lot of people don't understand that NorCal is very integrated. Yeah. So SoCal has a lot of cultures, but they're not integrated. Yeah. There's Everybody, separate, so there's a lot of space. Yeah. They just kind of kick it with themselves. Yeah. You know? There's so, space. When you allow people to be in their comfort zone, they will be, but in the Bay, you're up on each other. All over the place. All over the place. In the Bay, the 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 phrase like hood or ghetto is not is not directed towards black people. Yeah. It's all cultures. It's just whatever like neighborhood you came from. Mm-hmm. And I understood that from a young age. And even like my mom, like she's this old Asian lady that cooks cook makes cookies and cooks for everybody. And she never discriminated, although some of my friends were questionable. Yeah. She never discriminated yeah. against them, you know? Yeah. Because just... everybody's just kind of living that same life. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I, like, for example, I didn't realize how, technically how poor I was yeah. until I went to a place where people had money. Yeah. Because in, in your small world, everybody yeah. doesn't have much money. Yeah, yeah. Y'all just kind of living and doing your own thing. That's the misconception. I'm sick and tired of, I'm kind of like low-key upset at crazy rich Asians. Because I'm like, yo, 
all my friends were like, yo, I watched Crazy Rich Asians. Like, I understand you more now. I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah. I ain't rich or crazy. Like, <laughs> like I'm a jungle, I'm a jungle Asian. I'm Vietnamese. Yeah. Like, I don't I didn't come from Singapore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, this is like a very big misconception. A lot of us are immigrants and came here with a hundred dollars to a family of eleven. Yeah, I think it's uh I mean it's 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 one of those things too, like people didn't understand why I didn't like I didn't have like a specific issue with it. It's just they also have to understand. I'm not that Asian, so I can't relate to it. So mm-hmm. it was hard. It was just I didn't get it, mm-hmm. you know. So I mean, like like in your case, right? You're a you're a Vietnamese refugee. Your I'm story Asian. is different. You I'm know what hella I mean? Hella Asian. <laughs> like, but I don't judge. Like I'm. But but the thing is, I'm young. So the weird thing that happened with me is my fam. My mom is seventy. So there's nine kids. Yeah. But I am very much. First, is it first generation? Yeah, I'm very much that generation of refugee. I still call, I mean, I'm technically a refugee, even though I wasn't in the war. Yeah. Because that's how I grew up. And then, so, but my age, I'm with you guys who are mostly American, right? Is that what you identify? Yeah, mostly American, but I never judged it like at all because it's just, I just had the understanding of people come from different places. Being an immigrant, there is a big thing called imposter syndrome Mm. you just don't know who the fuck you are where you're supposed to be in every place every part in your life you feel like you don't belong there Mm. not in a sense of like hair color what you look like or whatever but it's like you didn't really have an identity especially when you are young and come to this country because at home you're not asian enough yeah you didn't go through that shit yeah then you go to school you're not american enough because you're kind of weird and you're tougher than them you know So you have this like weird imposter syndrome everywhere you go and you just got to like learn to make your own fucking world. And that's why I love immigrants now because it's a breed. Mm. Immigrants are a breed of people. People that were born, uh, not born here, but came here are a breed no matter what country you came from. Because we grew up specifically not fitting in. Now it's like a whole fucking gang of like immigrants just like knowing each other, you know? It's, 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 It's how... I mean, this generation, this next generation is going to grow up without a lot of the stuff that we were around and what we went through. Like, mm-hmm. even what I say, too, when it comes to, like, gang violence and shit, mm-hmm. when we were growing up, like, gangs were the shit. Like, you wanted to be a part of a gang. Like, it was like... I, <laughs> but you don't. Yeah. I was never part of a gang. It was, like, the cool thing, though. You know, yeah. now I think it's not. Like, being artsy. Um, yeah, things are changing things are for changing, the which better. Is, which is great, you yeah, know? For so. the better. Like even for, even for something like my experience, like there was no way I was gonna be a thug, right? Yeah. But it didn't mean didn't mean I didn't glorify it though. Yeah, like, yeah, it's I, definitely I just didn't, glorified. I just didn't have it in me. I didn't have yeah. that type of upbringing where that was something that was a viable option. But yeah. being around it made me want to be around it. There's a reason why I still tried to hang out with these guys, yeah. and why I didn't do well in school. Why I didn't do because I thought it, it felt great having these guys empower me. Yeah, it's almost like I walked around and I was like, well, these people can try to fuck with me, but yeah. You're not (laughs) like, yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of indulgent to be a part of that stuff. But now I'm kind of glad that they don't have to go through that. Yeah. But I think it's a balance because I think everything is a balance. Right. But I I think that you really need to remember your roots because people are just lost in the sauce out here. Like with so much influence, social media and like social media (laughs) like you forget who you are and you're easily malleable like you're easily molded into other beings and you see like even wonderful things that are trending it's great right but do Mm. you even know what that is like do you even know what you just posted do you even know like who you are yeah and people can argue with me all day 
I've had so many arguments because I'm a refugee with people. They're like, I'm American. I'm not Mexican. Yeah. I'm American. I'm not Asian. Like, yo, no, you're Asian American. You got to remember that because if you don't remember that, you won't remember who you are. Even if you were born here. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like super important because if you don't remember who you are, you don't know who you are, you're going to become anybody they want you to be. Yeah. I think cultural ties are very important. Um, like for me, I'm pretty adamant that my kids are going to learn how to speak Korean. Yeah. Um, even better than I do. It just gives you a little extra sauce. You know what I mean? Because then we're going to have this like bland ass country of everybody being the same. Like you yeah. Well, I, I think um, people are starting to catch on now that the, the concept of what it is to be an American isn't this like anglicized, like white yeah. thing, right? It's, yeah. I think your American experience is the the color and the flavor that you bring. Yeah. So when when you when we talk about this like i said this is this is an inherent issue that america has with mm-hmm. our own nationalism mm-hmm. we don't have a set definition yeah. so for me like my definition of being american is the fact that i am a korean american mm-hmm. i can have my culture mm-hmm. i can still coexist in this country mm-hmm. and then we could all share and barter and trade our stories our yeah. lives our food yeah that's my american experience yeah. right so back in the day when it came, like specifically like in the 80s and the 70s for yeah. a lot of these immigrants it was i need to get rid of my culture so mm-hmm. i can adapt so i don't mm-hmm. stick out now you have the space to revisit you see all these kids like researching now and i see all these stories resurfacing these heroes that i've known about my whole life yeah um but resurfacing because of young people yeah and it's dope like all these stories even black american culture asian american culture i've known for a long time but it's just good to see like it in the mainstream you know yeah so it's i I have no fears for the for the uh for the new generation i think almost being uncomfortable is our comfort right Mm -hmm. that's what we grew up in that kind of keeps us moving forward it gives us drive yeah. yeah so that's that's the hard part i think for me too is when um, yeah. things go really well yeah. i actually start feeling a little uncomfortable yeah. i almost want to sabotage myself sometimes we so self-sabotage <laughs> all the time it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah. make things uh, like my manager used to hate this shit all the time like yeah. i would do something really well yeah. starts popping off and i'm yeah. like okay i'm done and he's yeah. like why yeah i'm like because i did it yeah i want to do something else yeah so when when the whole film thing we happened, don't usually when like good things happen to us they don't last long and we're taught they don't last long so mm. when you accomplish something you want to move on because you you feel like well this isn't gonna last if i stay here it's gonna fail mm. you know so you just keep just keep moving for me for sure anyway. yeah the grind feels really satisfying too sometimes it's like mm. this is it keeps me going like mm. I, I want to it's almost like I'm trying to prove somebody, mm. prove something to somebody. Yeah. And that somebody is nobody. <laughs> you know? I, yeah. Sometimes I almost like, I, of course, I don't want to lose. But sometimes I love when people talk shit. And I love that ch- I'm the better fighter when I have a chip on my shoulder. Mm. You know, like something to prove. Like if you praise, if, if I get praised, that's why I keep real people around my life. If I get praised too much, I don't know who I'd be. Probably somebody I don't like. Yeah. You know? I think most fighters too, when, when they don't have that chip on their shoulder, you could somebody see Somebody like Mike Perry cannot be treated like John Jones. He yeah. will not be the person he is. Mm. John Jones is kind of used to it because he's always been that great, you know? Like, that's why I say like, like me and Angela Lee, we're opposite humans. Yeah. You know, opposite. If I was treated like Angela Lee all the time, I don't know who I'd be. Like, I don't know how comfortable I'd be. Yeah, Same yeah, vice yeah. versa, you know? So like, yeah. So it's just, it depends. So what are your, what is, so you're looking for a fight in October and then what, what else can people look forward to? Oh man, I'm finally finishing up this book. I had a book deal like three years ago, but I kept like rewriting it because I'm always like, oh, which perspective is right? Yeah. When am I going to be in the right place to talk back about these, talk about these things? And I'm just like, you know what? Pandemic, pandemic, perspective. <laughs> pandemic perspective is right. So you can expect that coming out um, by 2021. 
And then I'm starting an online academy, first YouTube and then academy so that people, I'm realizing now, especially in pandemic, people don't really have access to gyms, but not just people that are forced to stay at home. There's people in, I have fans like in India that they have to go to a shop to find Wi-Fi to look my stuff up. Oh, wow. I have fans like that. And those fans that don't have access to anything, those are the ones I'm going to make this for. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so they can train and hopefully have a shot at a career without having to travel the world like I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, dope. Yeah. Well, I mean, where can people find you? Like, plug all your shit. Ah, Instagram, Twitter. It's Killer Bee MMA. And um, I don't want to plug my YouTube yet. It's not ready. <laughs> but yeah, just find me on Instagram and Twitter. Killer Bee MMA. It's funny. People are like, oh, Bima. They think that's my name. I'm like, it's Killer Bee MMA. Like, <laughs> Bima. <laughs> people think my name's Bima. People that don't like That's know fighting, funny. it's hilarious. What's That's how I know mama? new fans from old ones. I'm like, I'm not Bima. That's fucking hilarious. But yeah, just on social. My social's pretty cool. Cool. Well, thanks for coming in. Thanks, David. What was that, like six hours? Shit, I don't know. That was a good conversation, though. It's, it's great perspective for people who uh, who want to know about fighting. So it was cool. Thanks. Yeah. Well, guys, that wraps up this episode. And we'll see you all next time. Peace.